Hi guys, this is Ryan and on behalf of Harry, James and myself, welcome to the Coaches Room, where we speak to coaches around the world and hold discussions about the game we love. Thanks for listening, enjoy the podcast. So guys, welcome to the, the Coaches Room, second episode, second podcast as well, um, hosted tonight by myself and James. We, we appreciate you massively for coming in and, and you know giving up your time and, and getting involved in the discussion. Unfortunately, Harry couldn't be with, with us tonight, um, he's, he's come down a bit, bit ill, but Hopefully he's back in next week for for his knowledge and his you know his expertise. Um, so we're just going to run through now. Give you give a minute on each on each uh, individual. Kind of state your name and and who you are and what your coaching passion is. So James, do you want to start, pal? You want me to start? So James coaching for I can't remember what I said last week. About four years now. So working mostly in the under eight and under nine age group at the minute with teams. Work as a coach across um, sports during the week within schools. So do a bit of different coaching. And then uh, as Ryan touched on earlier, coaching Spain when possible over summer for the past few years. Yeah, that's all good. Perfect, Aaron, far away. Um, so I'm Aaron and I've been coaching uh, for about, I'm in my seventh year now. Um, I work full-time as a coach after starting up my own football business, ACB Football Coaching, uh, back in about 2016. Um, I'm currently level two and youth module three qualified as well. Uh, at the moment, I'm focusing a lot on one-to-one coaching and going around uh, school clubs uh, and group sessions. Um, but yeah. Great. Joel, fire away. Uh, yeah, so um been coaching about five, six years, um, mainly doing mini, like mini soccer age groups and then over the last couple of years started going like nine aside, like under elevens, twelves. Um and then working schools during the week uh, coaching uh, all different types of sports as well. Okay, great stuff. Uh Graham, last but not least. Yeah. Uh so obviously my name's Graham. I've been coaching officially for about three years now. Uh I've been doing volunteer work uh, mainly and I've been so that's two age groups under 14s and under 10s um, and I've also I also help out with a few private coaching companies in the sort of Sussex area and that's again a similarish age group um, and I'm sort of looking to to try and find my first great stuff great stuff Nice, nice. So I'll give you a bit of background on myself. My name's Ryan. Uh, I'm a coach at Preston North End Pre-Academy. Um, I'm currently undertaking my UEFA B um, and I've been coaching since I was 16, so about four or five years. Um, couldn't get enough. I'm currently doing a, mas- uh, a degree, sorry, looking to do a master's um, in, in football coaching and it's just a passion and everything I, I love doing. Anyway, let's get down to what we actually want to do. So We'll open up with the first question and open up to the whole floor. So why as coaches do we feel the need to use complicated coaching terminology when talking to other coaches? So, for instance, me and James could have a discussion and, you know, I could be throwing out these really complicated words. You know, I could be going into ego orientated, task orientated, you know, your step principle, all that kind of complicated terminology. Why do we use it? Why do we feel the need? I'll kick us off on this one. I, from my in quite a lot of webinars in this isolation, um, I've seen a lot of terminology thrown around and kind of get this impression that there's 
like you say, an ego ego thing behind it as well. Uh, trying to like show off what you kind of what, you, what it looks like you know or might know. Um, so that, that's why I feel that the overcomplicated terminology um, is probably overused between in conversations. Definitely, definitely. Do you think that? Do you think we necessarily need it? Obviously, I think the context. If you're around um, young players, then no, because uh, it's not relevant to them. Uh, maybe in webinar conversations, perhaps. But again, it, it's, a, it's a, maybe the audience. Great stuff, Joel. Do you have anything to to com uh, contribute to that? Um, probably just the same, really. Like a lot of the time, they try to just show what the like showing too much of what they're trying to know where they can just make it a lot simpler. Yeah. Do you mind just talking to kids like the easiest thing to say is better, whereas like they just try to want to know too much and then it's like not right. Yeah, great stuff, great stuff. What about yourself, Graham? Uh I think it's quite tricky. Definitely speaking to. Um and I've Personally, because I just to add a bit of sort of context, I work in the city of London. Well, I did work in the city of London. It's a very similar sort of vibe. There's lots of there's lots of sort of in words and um, business slang and all that sort of stuff that get a lot. Um, and I always sort of bear that in mind when I'm doing speaking to other coaches or even players. I always think there's no. I think it's important to have the keywords in there, you know, sort of like, you know, your transitions, your positives, your negatives, stuff like that. Uh, I think holds a lot of weight and people understand it. But I think going overboard is just, uh, I think it's fairly irrelevant and it doesn't really, it doesn't really add any value. And I think when you look at it in that perspective, it's something that I try and avoid. Just try and keep it simple, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jamesy, what do you think, pal? Do you, do you agree to, with this? To be fair, you've got to think about what, what, what's going on in the world and how are people working anyway before you work out a pitch or coaching to them. So that's a good point, to be fair. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> you've definitely. got your in which you know, as soon as you say it in the kit. Go on, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree with that because working, I've, I've worked with under sixes this season. I know James has worked with under sixes throughout the summer with myself and Harry um, and I, I can't think of one time where I've gone you know we need to counter attack where's your width and height you know it's more can we go wide can we make the pitch nice and big if we get the ball back can we score in 10 seconds you know breaking it down into really simple phrases like that is actually going to help them more than you know than giving them this really confusing terminology which they've never heard before. But even when speaking to coaches, I don't yeah. think it needs to be real detail. I think if you can get your point if you can get your point across in as minimal words as you can, you know, why are you wasting any time? You know, it's the same on a football pitch delivering to kids, you know, why are you wasting your time if you can do it in five, six, seven words when instead of, you know, spilling out paragraphs? Does anyone, you know, want to I'd, add I'd, anything? Yeah, jump in on that with um from a contact children and I find that often from I don't know probably even up to like 18s really like everyone's involved in PlayStation games Xbox games a lot of the time I think you know, your terminology needs to be uh, so the younger if you're working with like under sixes 
for example, you, you want to look at things that they're used to reading and hearing on a daily basis. Something that they relate to as fun as well. Because uh, for me, that's that's what the context with, uh, especially in younger grade, will to be seen as a fun. Um, these fancy words can often like steer off into really big words and they're quite scary if you're uh, new to football and yeah the last thing you want to do is try and put someone off as well yeah 100 percent agree with that Any, anyone else absolutely so uh well, if any of you have read uh, listened from week, but i've got to make the same type of point like the coach have to ask, it's not a battle can use the biggest words can use the yeah. most tricky ways of explaining things they've got to kind of just leave that and kind of show prove they're a good coach on the pitch rather than on the sidelines being my, my dad's big your dad in terms of how much we know about football sure sure what you know by putting it across the kids in the right way i think completely i think i think you've got to leave as a coach anyway you know if you're getting observed or you know another coach is with you you've got to leave your, your ego at the door you know you can't go in there and think i've got to prove i've got more knowledge than than James next to me or, you know, Aaron to, on the other pitch, you know, you've got to go in there and think, how can I develop the kids? <laughs> you know, how, what am I teaching them that they're going to take away and learn? Does, you know. If I, if I was to jump back in on this as well, um, for me, the biggest part of, and I've, I can see it's one of our discussed today, environment, um, but the, the terminology you use really builds that environment that you want to set. And if you're using more fun words, more relatable words, that have more chance of establishing that the environment that you want to be positive, to be fun, enjoyable. Whereas using the wrong and overcomplicated words can really uh, flatten out that environment. Um, and I, again, for me, the best coaches are the ones that create the best environments. Yeah, definitely. Anyone else want to kind of jump in on this before we move on? Yeah, I just think um, to sort of echo everyone else's remarks, especially when speaking to younger players, work two age groups. Um, I've sort of found that ultimately your ability to get across what you want them to do is apparent, right? That's what coaching is. It's, we're here for the players. We're not here for ourselves. If I can't give you a simple introduction, then most, most likely I'm not going to get out of the session what I want. Yeah. If, I'm, if I'm working on playing from deep or, you know, possession through the thirds or whatever it is, if I'm if I can't get my players to understand my instructions, then that's my failing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. So, so I think, especially with younger kids and younger players, just making sure you're speaking those simplistic languages and trying to be, say, trying to walk. Yeah. Like, Don't. Yeah, Graham. I really like what you've kind of mentioned there. That you know, if I'm using the terminology that that they're not going to understand, I'm not going to get as a coach my session outcomes hit. You know, they're not going to be achieved. And what are we doing then <laughs> in that kind of in that kind of manner? But um, yeah, I, re I think that's a really kind of nice way to, to finish that kind of that kind of topic. I really like that. Um, yeah. Moving on to on to the second question. Yeah. Okay. So you can see the second point there about practice design in terms of how we plan our session. Just want to leave the floor to you guys. If I, if me or Ryan was to come and observe you coaching in your how look is there a, a structure that you kind of keep towards i know for example i'm a big fan at the minute with the whole part hole so instead of doing your normal warm-up i would 
have a bit of free play at the start and then move on to the topic and then put it into a game? How would it look like from any of your guys if we were to come and watch? Who did you do, James? So I went with under eight and under nines on my two teams. Oh, nice. I've, um, I've, I've attempted to do something similar with that in the sort of pre-season um, training session, but I find, especially with my under-10s, if I get them to do something quite-unquote fun, to then focus in on doing something else that I maybe is something more technical or whatever, it's slightly more challenging. Whereas okay, I sort Python, do you mean the example of the, the game at the start? Is that classed as, is that the fun yeah. element? And then they've kind of done that. So they don't really want to uh, zone back into the, the proper training. Is that what you mean there? Yeah, I find it harder to get them to slightly focus more if we start with the game or free play or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then we go into more, more you know, specific stuff. Um, I found some of them, the ones that struggle with attention anyway, they suffer quite a lot with that. You know, going for something fun, oh, I can, I can play, I can get on the hook, I can do what I want. And then if you go into something structured, they might struggle with that. But that's just something that I've personally experienced. Definitely. How do you combat them? So what, what works for you and your players in a structure point of view? Um, I, so working with the two age groups, I find the under 10s much easier to cope than the under 14s. You know, under 10s will, they respect, if you've got a badge on it and you're coaching them, they completely respect everything you say. So if you say, I want us to focus on, you know, whether it's passing or whatever, and you give them a clear instruction, they'll be like, right, fine, and they'll do it. Under 14s, they, they need a narrative, they need a, a context. They'll be like, why? Do you know what I think? I, mean? I think yeah, yeah. looking looking at a, a, a current a previous book I read called Mensch. It's a it's a German book, um, obviously written in English by Jonathan Harding. That that game yeah. is is really really important though for kids that and it's it's become a, it's it's almost a generation they've called it Generation Y came through in the mm. decade at the start of the decade that players now need to know why am I doing it, not just okay I'm doing it. Yeah, exactly. And you know why am I, why am I why am I doing playing out from the back if we're going to hoof it long? That kind of stuff. And yeah. I think that we can learn as coaches and be able to say, well, actually, I, I'm not too sure. And then that's the thing you need to learn. Or you go, you know, you say, we're doing this because this is how I want us to play or because we don't do it very well in a game. You know, you can give them that backup and the belief that they need to go, yeah, we trust what he's saying. On that uh, yeah. point from Graham as well, I think with your under-14s, when when they get to that age group, they're often they can see through people. They they start yeah. to, uh, what adults are like and stuff, and and they've it, like say go back to the why. So if they think right, he doesn't know why we're doing it. There's there's an opportunity for them to go. Oh, here we go. I can get. I. Whereas if you've got like um, I'm just get Ryan. <laughs> Sorry, I had to remember your name. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, like Ryan said, if if you know why you're doing it. Then often there's there's no re there's no place for them to argue as often. So that that's where I'd come in from from seeing older players. No, go on, James. I just I think that's something you bang on there, Aaron. I think something we've kind of got to nail from the younger age groups. If we can put across the right ways of explaining why we're doing a certain thing, as they get older, they'll kind of become more coachable because they're, they're more ready to listen and they kind of know what the deal is. Like you said, 
we're doing this because, and then they're straight into it because they, they can put it into context with how they play and what they do when they play. So yeah, really good. Graham, what were you saying there before I jumped in? Um, I was just going to sort of elaborate and explain that I'd still provide the context for both age groups, but the under 10s, I'll give the instruction and then I'll explain why we're doing it. Whereas if I give it to the under 14s, they'd be asking me, do you know what I mean? There's that, there's that slight difference in, in mentality between the two age groups there. Um, I'd, I'd probably say as well with under 14s and, and that, around that age, they're, they're probably in a stage of their learning where they want to understand right from the off why, they're, why, they're, why they their attention to anything they're going to learn. So that's probably why they're jumping onto you as soon as you're saying, right, we're going to cover shooting. Why, why are we doing that? Or, you know, I think they're probably got um, aspects of whether they want to dismiss it or actually go, oh, this is actually something I want to do. Yeah, because yeah, you, you know at that age, like you say, under 14s, we're going to work on shooting. And then there's someone there who's scored. You know what I like, the count how many goals I score. I scored four goals at the weekend. Why am I working on shooting? So that they're always thinking in the back. He's just just doing what he wants to do really whereas if he pitches it at we need to work on this so we're taking it back and working on this aspect of it then they're in aren't they yeah Joel what do you uh, what, what do you think about this Paul um, yeah like I fully the point James mentioned before about um, coaching like kids at a young age group like makes them more coachable that older because like I used to do like just under sevens and under eight, and then like I'd pass the kids on. And the last couple of seasons, I've started taking all the age groups. I've had kids who I had when they were younger, better than I like. They listen a lot more than the kids that have like just come in. Like last season, is like I try to do stuff, and the kids I've had before are really interested and want to do it. And then the other kids like aren't interested or not as interested in what they want to do. Is that because you've also built that kind of relation with them prior? You know, they, they might see you as when they were under seven, under eight. Oh, I remember Joel, he was really funny. He had us playing loads of games, blah, blah, blah. And then instantly you've got their attention because, you know, they've already had that relation with them. Yeah, as well. Like, the sessions, like, obviously aren't the same from under seven to under twelves. Yeah. But, like, the structure is, like, similar. So, like, they know, like, we're going to do this, this, this. Whereas the other kids obviously used to a different coach and they don't they don't like the change sometimes. Great stuff. I love that. Yeah, I really like that. Um, so kind of kind of coming full circle now, back to practice design. Um, just kind of a quick word from from all three of you. Kind of if we were to look at your sex, session, what what could we expect? Just in a, maybe a couple of lines. Um, I'll, I'll kick this one off again. So for me. I believe in players having confidence and also getting their engagement straight away. So I, I, if I can, which is normally the case, I'll offer a ball per player and often do technical practices whereby so many ball touches within the first 15, 20 minutes of the session, their engagement's high, they're interested, they've come to the session purely because they want to play football, so I'm not um, that away from them. And then if I want to go into um, progressing the session on, I'll, I'll try personally to go into small-sided games, uh, depending on numbers. And that way, there's still, if say it's 2v2, uh, one ball between four players, still play, there's still opposition problems. Um, and often, they get more enjoyment of that. Although I do get questioned by players, well, when can we play a big match? And they, and they don't see that as a match. Um, <laughs> I often try and try and refer back to it and just say, look, are you, are you getting more opportunities to score? Are you getting more 
and it's one of those things that has to embed in the environment because I personally believe other coaches that they have in their life have given them the, the environment of training at the start, big match at the end. And so they come into my environment and it's a challenge for them. So it, it does take time, but that's where I line up. Perfect. Joe? Um, yeah, so either when they come, I either do normally rondos um, for like under 12s. It's normally like dribbling at the start, getting as many touches of the ball as they can. I'll do that with like older ones, depending like if I'm doing dribbling during the session. And then during the session, um, either small-sided games or um, something that I'm working on in small groups. So as many touches as they can with the ball, get, get used to what we're doing or linking it to a match day and then probably just move on to a big game. But like uh, Aaron's just said, when we're in like small-sided games, they usually go when we're doing a game, when we're doing a game. And I just go, is there a ball? Is there, a, is there two goals? It's a match. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, like, <laughs> I like that. I do like that. Graham, do you want to... Go on, Both on Aaron and Joel's point there about the kids seeing it as a big game. I think we've still got to remember within our session, it's still a form of small side of the game in that we can, we can jump in, we can change it. We can say, right, freeze there. This is how we do it. This is how we want to do it. This is how we did do it. I think we've got to just remember that get to the big game, that's not right. Coach and done, just stand back and watch. As long as we are still ready to jump in when needed, still coach. Over there. A lot of sessions, like when I used to start, it was, I might get nervous before the session, get to the last 20 minutes right there in a game and just stand back watching how I've done. You've still got to be. We've still got to be prepared to jump in and say, "This is what we're working on tonight." You've either just showed it really well with that example, or you could have done it better in this way. I, I, on the response to that as well, um, yeah. If I've have ever referred back to big matches um, or big matches in quotation mark, um, I, I normally will try and pull players out in a drive-by coaching style. That they, for, like a lot of my stuff is around like player individual they're all individuals coming together um you're going to get more out of them for an individual conversation in my opinion um so when it's, I, I try and if i need to make a point i'll try and pull them up in a drive-by coaching way so that the game can still flow because i like getting about the small-sided games because it's quick it's fast it doesn't stop 100 yeah. yeah yeah um yeah so let's move on to the last uh the last kind of question um, really enjoying this by the way it's some really great detail we're going into and, and really insightful I think we can all take take stuff away from this different you know people might have said different things and you know it's, it sounds really really good and really engaging speaking of engagement um, the last kind of question uh, why do we not do more smaller sided games to, you know to enhance our en player engagement and 1v1 competency so bit, bit of background I'm currently looking at doing this in my dissertation next year um, and it's something that I'm really, really kind of for small sided games and one v one competency. Um, I think that if if you can't really be competent in a one v one situation, you're going to struggle in a big match. You know, because all over the pitch it's one v one, it's you against you. It you know it's the left back versus the right winger, it's the striker versus the number four, the defender. So 
why why not introduce more small sided games instead of the big game to hone in on these skills and it comes to a big game and then it's second nature to them to go i've been in this situation where i'm confronted 1v1 i know i can take this this player on with this kind of move or i know i'm faster than him and touching on the engagement side if you if there's less players in per match you know there's more touches on the ball there's more cognitive engagement that you're i could get the ball at any second here not on an 11 side pitch where the ball's at the right wing and you're the left back saying the ball's not coming from you know to me for a minute or two here kind of open this to the floor what do we think uh, I, if I'm looking at it from uh, why it doesn't happen more, um, I reckon that's there's probably a couple of factors with regards to the venue um, for each training session. Obviously, a lot of clubs got different um, facilities. If you've got a small-sided and you've got, I don't know, 12 players, it might be a challenge for some coaches to work out how they're going to try and cut it up to have lots of 1v1s. Um, I've got some solutions for that, but I reckon that might be one factor. So, um, Aaron, just to jump in, as as well as the one v ones, I was trying to kind of push as well. You know, like three v three games. You know, where it's mm-hmm. very smaller numbers as well as one v ones as well. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, I still probably stick with the the facility possibly being like a, yeah. a blockage in a in a. I'll say this from a, in a nice way, like a parent coach um, yeah. mindset, because if they've just been at work all day and they think, right, what does what should training look like? And I do, on that point of parents, think that parents possibly create that and training if they are and thinking, why are they not doing a match yet? It still looks like training all the time. So there's probably a little bit of pressure from the outside of it as well as, as to why we don't see more of it. I, I'm, I'm someone who thinks that we'd need more of it, but that's probably why we're not doing it more. Yeah. Uh, Joel, do you want to fancy or Graham? Um, so I'm a big believer in small-sided games. Um, I think it's all the benefits that young players get because um, one of the fundamentals you need at whatever level you play is comfortability on the ball. You need receiving a pass or being or whatever, whatever sort of response. Um, so I do try and always make sure we're utilising those sort of scenarios in however um, agreeing with Brown said there um, it is definitely dependent on where we're training um, if we're training at home on our home pitches we've got a lot of space so I can sort of um, because um, we usually operate on sort of a merry-go-round style of training so I work and then my other co-coach that's how we want to actually play that sort of thing um so when we have the space i always do try and utilize those sort of little small-sided games halfway through the training session because i think it's so beneficial but if if it's a, a a poor weather day and we're hampered we have to then go on to a 3g playing surface and we just don't have space to do yeah. the um the small side stuff which is it Uh, out of interest Graham sorry to butt in there to try and give us a description of what sort of space you're working with Uh, it's small I'd say if you're looking at I'd say maybe a a small tennis court sort of size okay something like that yeah and I, and I, I have any given time 20 players wow 
I, on, on a slight possible um, consider. Have you ever tried um, putting them into like one v ones, perhaps? But then saying rather than having goalposts and everything, it might be a cone. They they all have a cone to defend, um, for example. And then one v one, they've got to try and reach their opponent's cone as like a, it might look like chaos and possible um, bumping in to each other. But I, I don't know if you've ever. Uh, in in no I haven't I haven't considered anything like that um, solely because I think you touched it previously. Go and train on the um, the three G pitch. You do get a lot of parents watching, so it won't just be our age group. There'll be you know you'll be looking at maybe three or potentially five different age groups, and it will look a bit chaotic. Um, Jumping in on that though, um, I've I've listened into other um like coach mentors and stuff before and they've they've pointing at how younger children a lot of what they deem as fun is chaos um and i i, I think chaos, i right? say again the, the game is chaos football is chaos Ab- yeah really. absolutely especially with the uh war the uh, wasps swarming around the ball and everything but yeah. and i i used to be quite fearful of what from the outside in um, but then I soon changed my opinion whereby it's about the inside out. So what I'm doing with the play, the only way that you can try and solve that outside in um, with the parents perhaps is just communication. I don't know, like whether it's Facebook groups or WhatsApp groups, got set up with them or however you can communicate, but yeah. perhaps giving them some information about achieve um out of it if if you give them that information there's a chance it doesn't always work but there's a chance that they've got more of an understanding um, but anyway that's just my little solution i, I definitely agree with that aaron and Graham. to be fair i'm a big believer in if it looks like chaos something's happening and having like we say we go back to a big game one ball probably taught in my age groups under eight under nines you probably get two or three within the game who are really busy I'd rather there be 10 players football they're crashing into each other they're flying off the pitch they certainly that looks like chaos but they are like you say the game is chaos and I think that links well with all three questions in terms of chaos because if we were talking as coaches you probably want to hide the fact that your sessions look like chaos so you might use them big terms to yeah. work around yeah. it within your session you're not coming to see my session ever without it looking like chaos and parents are probably on the side thinking what the hell is james doing it looks like a complete mess but to me it's engagement isn't it if they're all if they're all causing chaos they're engaged yeah i agree i just to sort of quantify what i was uh saying earlier i don't i don't i don't want to be taken the wrong way but i don't really consider what the parents think of the coaching session that's not what i meant by that i'm just saying when it's all sort of just trying to utilize the space as best i can um because i think there's lots of better things i could be doing in an hour on a small pitch rather than something i would get far better out of on, on... yeah definitely great stuff great stuff um kind of wrap it up there with with the from side of the questions i think i think on behalf of my james and myself you know that the kind of input you guys have had tonight has been really valuable and 
and me, I, I know personally I've taken loads from that and this is just kind of a coach's chat room no one is higher than anyone else you know it's a free discussion and we're here to kind of learn and discuss and and you know argue but in a good way you know con you know, contrast what people are saying and, and I think your all three your input has been really valuable tonight and and you know I can only thank you for that um it was great to be involved apologies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great good stuff Enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so we're going to kind of open anything the floor. Anything else to add on any of the points? Before Sorry, Bob. we wrap it up. Does anyone have anything else across any of the three points to add? Because I know we are talking chaos. We are kind of jumping over each other, which is kind of what me and Ryan are looking for in terms of people not being afraid to jump in. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to jump in again with with the side of things and the whole coach is trying to show off uh, when they feel like they're being watched or you know, uh, engaging with other coaches. And I find that there's a lot of overdosed coaching going on, whereby um, if you watched, if you were watching, watching, they will, you would might coach going to in coaching points, which is too much, way too much. And I find that keeping it down to one or two or three coaching points maximum with um, players all the way up to under 18s, I'd say. I usually agree with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like that's for me is one of the keep it um, most relevant things for it is just keeping it short, sweet, and simple. Because hear you talking. Definitely, if you would, if you were to say to your players, like say ten coaching points in one week, and then bring them back next week, how many of them do? How many of them do they? They're probably three. Not learn, isn't it? When it's something that can click. And Ryan, I think this is. The third chat we've been in a row when I come back to your your surf and poke stuff like that that's brilliant yeah, especially yeah. with the younger age groups yeah. something so little as that is a way to defend the type of thing that sticks with them rather than coaching point one is you've got to pressure side on you've got to push them wide tell them ten things like that they're not going to remember I think I think that's seven, kind of eight, that, yeah that kind of goes back to a common theme that I've kind of heard through tonight it's just that coaching context is so important you know if you're coaching at under 18 level you may say you know 1v1 defending right get low get side on I want you to push them out wide push them onto a weaker foot you know you've got to know the ins and outs but coming back to under sixes level like James has said I, I I came up with this thing called the surf and poke and it came to me on the spot while I was coaching my under sixes where I said to them can everyone show me how a surfer would stand and it you know it was low it was side on body out you know it was a good 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 base for 1v1 defending and then I said, right, what do we need to do next? And they said, get the ball. And I said, what, what can we do then? And they said, poke, surf and poke. You know, you've got a two-word two phrase that they can instantly go, oh, and that's 1v1 defending, you know, and they don't even know it. And you've you put copyright that. on that word? But I need to, don't yeah. I? <laughs> that, that could go viral. Yeah, I need to. Um, but yeah, it, it but was just kind of something that came just, on the just spot. Just to jump in in response to that, um, one real big thing for me is player ownership. And what, you, what you've described there is the perfect situation of player ownership, whereby you've given them the opportunity to what they're learning. In theory, you're learning defending. To them, they're learning surfing, surfing poking. Exactly. Like that thing they'll remember for the whole season, whereas going into defending the context and terminology, yeah, exactly. they've never forgotten it. Perfect, yeah, linking yeah. it back to full circle, right? In two, three years' time, when you've still got these players, you can go that surf and port we did when we were under sixes. And you can you laugh about it, you can't, yeah. 
absolutely, but they'll still remember it. Yeah, exactly. And you can tell them, why are we doing the surfing move in yeah, more exactly. detail? And then transfer from surf and poke to get low, get side on, and then that's when they start linking to the game. Definitely. Um, just kind of open to the floor. Has anyone got any kind of Q&A style questions? You know, anything that they want to ask myself and James or, or you know, going through anyone else? Does anyone want to ask any questions? Far away. Yeah, I think so. Just as a great to have um, so many sort of minds all on their coaching journeys. It's quite rare when you get to sit down with sort of coaches you don't know and just... Uh, I don't know if we can swear, but you know, just shoot the shit and just sort of, and just sort of, uh, hey, what you want. <laughs> um, and just pick each other's brains because it, um, I don't think that that's done enough, really. No, I, I completely what, agree. I was just going to sort of ask you guys what's been your, um, your biggest challenges so far. So I'm, I'm level two and I'm, I'm trying to get on a, on a UEFA B, but the, uh, the Sussex FA. Are quite slow with their courses, so I'm don't sort get, of like, don't get me started on that one, Graham. <laughs> yeah. So kind of, so, um, kind of so looking. What have, at, you, what have you been your biggest challenges? Yeah. So looking, I'm currently on my UEFA B at the moment. Obviously, it's been paused with the coronavirus and and the pandemic that's going on around us. But the, the biggest challenge I found myself was was uh, actually kind of looking at myself in the mirror and saying, you know, why are you doing it? Along with my university course, I think. My, co- my my tutor, sorry, in university and my tutor on my UEFA B both asked me, you know, why are you doing, why are you coaching? And to kind of take yourself back and think like, why am I doing this? And, and find your kind of roots in and why you're doing this is actually quite challenging. And then when I found that, it was almost like a light bulb moment that and my coaching just kind of went from here to just next level. And I felt it myself. I felt it in the environment that I was creating. So it was kind of just going right back to my roots and like, why am Can I doing this? What that was? Say that again. What, what was your sort of... Yeah, so own... just because I've, I've always thought anytime I try and explain something in football, I, I, I seem to get it. And I, and that was going back to when I was 14, 15, playing still. I, w- I felt like I was coaching almost while I was playing. And I just thought, you know, it's a kind of natural progress. And I thought, I love the game. And, you know, I want to stay involved. And actually go into Goodison every week and I'd watch the managers. What do they do? And I just subconsciously would just study coaching and I just loved it and it was kind of how can I give that to someone else how can I give my knowledge to someone else and help them that, that question you've asked yourself there Ryan as well I think it's actually really good to flip it and actually ask ourselves why are the children there in your session exactly in, in all of I, I have say one-to-one coaching I have players that come into the sessions whereby they want to do it because they want to get to the best uh, that they can do and see where it gets them whereas I could go to a girls football club and I know that they're purely there just to the social aspects to get involved so my information I'm going to give there isn't going to be anything like the one-to-one coaching yeah definitely any any other kind of questions guys um yeah further away I was gonna buy hope oh, someone jumped in <laughs> are we all good yeah yeah all good yeah, all good Sorry. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask what else in the room thinks about. Um, so something I've learned in the last couple of weeks or just been reminded about from listening in with lots of coaching conversations is reminder about um, footballers being actual, like they're actual human beings and treating them as human beings in our sessions. Um, has anyone else come across a lot of conversations like that? I, I personally listened to it and I thought it's 
one of the best things I've heard. Yeah, I um, I, I came across some. I came across a webinar that I studied the, the, a couple of a couple of days ago, and uh, and it, one of them, I think one of the guys was kind of a head coach of a US college team, and he said the the first thing he does when he sees when he obviously gets gets the group together for the first session of the year is he trains the player, not the not uh, he trains the person, not the player. And I think that that is so crucial. You know, you're bringing together loads of new people. This could be under sixes local, or you know, it could be a national team where they a new players come in. You know, you're bringing them into this new environment. No one knows each other. It's going to be daunting for them. You know, if you can train the player, uh, the person that you know, this is a welcome environment. Be yourself. You can then gonna you can then hone in on the player. That's yeah, I really agree with that, Ryan. Because I think it links back to was it James last week, Ryan? You'll remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was yeah. talking about creating the culture within the club, within the team, rather than create about tactics and how how we implement them at our level. And he went into some good detail about he's more on creating the culture. So they've got to be the right person. You've got to teach them as a person, the values, and see how they react and how coachable they are in the end based on coaching the person before coaching the player. Yeah, hundred percent. On, on really that good. point, um, as well, James, uh, that was a quote seen going around in relation to this, whereby players will, or sorry, I've used the word players. I mean, human, like children, for example, will, will say, "I don't care what you know until I know that you care." And, I, and once I heard that, I thought that's incredibly true because if they're for them and because you want the best for them and you want it to be fun, then they're going to have your interest. Um, if they think you're just there for your sake, your own sake of an ego. They're gonna well. Yeah, I, I, George. Speaking about that, Aaron, I, uh, I kind of set myself a challenge at the start of the year to kind of, to the under sixes. You know, these, these, these little dudes. You know, they're coming in. They're a bit nervous. You know, they've never been at some, you know, like a Preston North End, and and I challenged myself to kind of say, and I, I need to get the, to know these players as quick as I can. So the first thing I kind of asked them before every training session was, you know, without being too intrusive, how's school? You know, are, you, have you, are your friends all okay? You know, have you been busy? You know, are you doing other different sports? And you can kind of build a portfolio of the player without ever seeing them kick a ball. Definitely. And I think that that's quite a deep message. There's mm. lots of talk now, isn't there, about uh, arrival activities, but linking that right, best one I have is just with them. Might, yes, for the first five, if they're there 10 minutes early, they want to have a football. But as soon as they arrive, rather than saying, Go over there and do some dribbling. It's a little chat. How stuff going? How what we've been learning? Yeah. What do you remember from last week at football? Get the little report going, and then they've got that trust for you. Definitely. For when it comes to training, and they're they're the ones who are right. I want to listen to James. I want to listen to Ryan. See what they've got to say. Yeah. And it's also the perfect as part of that project as well. Is that it's you showing that you care. You're interested. Football pitch. It's what they do before they come to that football pitch. Yeah. One of the best, one of the best bits of kind of bits of advice, but learning points was on my level two, and they said. So bearing in mind, I had under sevens and under eights at that time. They said, write and write how you would start a game at the weekend. And between all of us, it was the same two or three kids were starting on the bench to say every week. So your team right now, and who wouldn't start the game? It would be the same people for most of the time but i've changed around in terms of making sure the same person doesn't start 
to substitute two yeah. Yeah. over two months, three months, four months. They're thinking, does he have that trust for me in that he's not letting me play at the start of the game? Perfect. I don't know what you think about that. I agree with that completely, Jamesy. I think that, you know, if you can get that trust from your players, you know, you can pretty much do kind of do anything in your session as long as, you know, if you think it's going to help them and, it, you know, and hopefully it does help them, you know, you can try loads of different stuff and they're going to buy into what you're doing. Um, I think as well, just to, to jump in there as well, that for a lot of young age groups, they're, there's so much potential in every of them that they'll unlock it at different ages and different moments. Yeah. 100%. I've never believed in um, a set bench, especially with um, probably up to like, I'd say probably under 12s. Beyond When they get to secondary school, it's a different different game. But when they're in primary school, it you know it has to be about giving opportunity, um, like benches as well. But taking awareness towards who's been starting on the bench um, is, a, is a massive thing to show in the care as well. Yeah. Pa- parents as well. I, although you will probably get parents that pressure some coaches and say, why, you know, why are you starting the one that's less developed? They won't use that correct word, but why is he starting over the best player on the pitch? Um, and again, yeah. it's just being, it's being confident in your own coaching environment um, and backing yourself. And at the end of the day, you are, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. So you just got to stick with what you got, what you believe in. Yeah. No, no, James, James, say that again, Paul. Go on. Oh, Graham, you started talking. What were you about to say? Sorry. Um, I was just saying it's striking that balance. Of the everyone. everyone wants their teams to do well. You know, nobody wants to go out and lose, do they? So it is, it is tough. Speaking from my own perspective, my team's basically just started um, at a higher league because we've been discontinued now. but Previously, we'd basically been whitewashing the league five, six mil every single time, and it wasn't beneficial for the league. Um, and now it's much competitive. The games are more high tempo. There's less time. Um, so there's slightly, you know, um, less developed players. It is difficult trying to get them in because you don't rush their confidence. Can I just you know, jump in, Graham? Is this under 14s or the under 10s? Okay. So, um, sorry, I've got my train of thought. Yeah, so it is difficult getting that balance of um, you don't want to crush the sort of developing players' confidence too early because you have to take into consideration this is a much more difficult game of football they're going to be playing. But at the same time, you still need to take into consideration their development as players, right? They need game time. They need competitive football. Um, and then also, you still want to try and win. So, that's the uh, the challenging quite on the winning the winning topic such a massively um delicate word i think in in coaches world because for me um the last few years i've seen winning the word winning coming up and people on twitter will shoot other coaches down for using that word because it's not about winning and development but there is an aspect i think that like you said graham no player goes on the pitch to lose that it's just yeah. not natural um but I, I did go on to a, a meeting once whereby they said, they made the point that because players don't go out to lose, do we even need to mention the point being the win? Because if they're going out there anyway to win, it's, um, it shouldn't be the focus. But on the, on the point of winning, I think 
the 12s definitely you're looking at winning being a different for me well, for me at least it's it's a different um meaning so if i was getting a less developed player to finally start taking shots and one of the shots is going in beating passes a bit more that for me is like a win um because i still think it's a yeah. lot about individuals um no i agree yeah. i think it's all yeah if you're if you're playing competitive games and you have the development players and they need game time find spots and games do you know what i mean i'm like oh if it's a if it's a two two or something like that and it's a tight draw, I might throw them up front and be like, try and get me for the team. Yeah, um, so you're giving them that individual um, challenge as well, but you don't want to knock their confidence in the wrong long wrong moment, I guess. Definitely. Yeah, I'm, that's I mean, I never the drop challenge. them into the sort of. I, I wouldn't into a defending position or a midfield where they might they might struggle with the tempo straight away. You know, you try and ease them in um, to a situation where they can. Balance. Because I still play football at a decent level, and I hate coming off the bench. You know, I I struggle doing it as a as a thirty two year old man. So they're obviously going to struggle coming off off the bench. You know, especially if they're they're, they're loud. So I always try and take that into consideration. I'm like, how do I feel as an adult when I play, and I'm in their position? I always sort of try and cognitively, what's the best way for me to get the best out of them, and for them to build their confidence. So they, as you said, Aaron. You know, there's no cap on when a player might explode and, you know, he might go up and start, or her, you know, they might go up a few gears and start playing a much better, more competent standard. So mm. I uh, think um, to support that as well, what James used to train sessions whereby ask them about their school day, ask them about what they've been doing over the week and stuff. And once you build that relationship with the player and the connection, not only do you get to know the player and get their respect, once you learn more about them and their personality, you'll know who's probably capable of dealing with a 2-2 situation in defence whereby they're under more pressure. May not be the best, but they've probably got the, the character to handle it. And that could end up in their um, development spike within, you know, six months, 12 months. Um, but again, it goes back to knowing your player, doesn't it? Yeah, it all comes back to knowing your players. And like we agree with Aaron there in that air, the, the term winning online especially is really thrown upon. But it's not that we're we're doing anything to win. Winning's fine as long as right we've playing the back all week. Yes, we might win the game, but have we shown playing out of the back? You might lose, but if you've done what you've tried to set out to do, it's a win, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest problem that every team will face is uh, the parents, unfortunately, and that will always be the way. Um, I just don't think there's enough. Uh, sort of area there for them to to learn from you face that battle but yeah often the first question in the car from a parent will be did you win today or you know why didn't why didn't you win today and that and actually your coach's um messages oh look you know like you said we're playing up from, all right we lost but we tried to do what we were training on so in yeah. a couple of weeks and so we're going to get there and so i think uh it goes at end of end of match when you have the debrief, that's the most important part of your of your moment with the players on a match. Because before they get back into this space with um, parents and stuff, it, it's an open like minefield yeah. for them. That's on really that. Considered um, actually, that point raised by that post-match debrief is the most important because I never can really the impact of a parent um, their feedback on. The, Son or daughter's performance game. I've never, I've never really considered that, which is something I definitely have to 
make sure that yeah. I consider now when I move into those sort of post-match mm. you, you'll never uh, from my experience you'll never be able to um change a parent's mindset and questions they ask but um it's, it's just knowing that you can do your best whilst you've got the uh, child in you for that hour oh, no, no, i want to just can i just end on a question to joel because i'm from knowing joel personally you had two teams at the same age group joel yeah yeah, yeah. very close how did yeah. how did that work for you in terms of setting them up pre-game, finishing post-game? How did it differentiate between the two teams that you had? Uh, so it was two teams at the same age group and they're both in the same league. Um, um, so one team was a lot better, like had better quality players who had been playing a lot longer. And they were like more towards the top of the league and then the other one was players who had just started the new started the season and they were down the bottom and uh, a lot of them players it was like very hard to motivate them and at the start the for them to understand what I was wanting from them like even though we're doing everything in coaching in the training sessions putting on the match day and still just wouldn't understand it whereas the other team putting on the match day they were doing everything perfectly oh not perfectly, but most of the things was going right, and it was a lot. But going from the other team, it was getting. I was trying to get a lot more out of it. It was getting more out of me, coaching, trying to find different ways to make them improve. That's the thing, isn't it? You growing alongside them. So how did? Yeah. Going back to the the questions you've had, did your sessions look the same between the two? Did you do the similar type of things, or did you change it up between the two? I try to do similar things between the two, but the abilities were that different that I had. It, it would be the same sort of thing that I wanted to do, but I had to change it ever so slightly between the two to make it easier, even easier or harder, depending on which team it was for. It's great to hear that. Really like that, uh, Joel. I really like the kind of recognizing, you know, one one standard one standard is different to the other, and you know, you're adapting that. You know, I might not be able to do this with this group, but I can do that. That may enhance them even more. And I really like that. You know, you're analysing your context, and it, and it's kind of coming into development in a, <laughs> in one word, it's development. Um, but I think we'll wrap it up there, guys. Um, like I've I've kind of said throughout this 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 whole episode, I, we really appreciate your input. It's been really valuable. I, I hope you've took something away, and we appreciate everything that you give to us, and especially your time that you've given up as well. So yeah, cheers for that guys. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the experience. Feel free to leave any feedback on our social media platforms at Coach Cosson, at training underscore RM and at Pogue underscore coaching. Once again, thanks for listening to the Coach's Room. See you next time.